Hello and welcome back to the Citizen Power podcast. For today's episode, your hosts, me Barsha and my friend Mon will be talking about culture and its impact on our overall life and our resettlement journey. Before we begin, we would like to pay respect to the traditional and original owners of this land, the Muinina people. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge the Aboriginal community as the custodians of this land. We also want to acknowledge the triggering nature of this content and encourage our listeners to seek necessary support. So Mon, I don't know about you, but when we came up with this topic, I struggled a little bit with understanding the role of culture in my life. I mean, it was a huge part of my life back in Nepal. It was something really joyous, colorful and familiar. But when I settled in Australia, I saw that people here were very individualized. This was the shift between my experience of culture living in Nepal to living in Australia because I don't find the same kind of collectivist and culturally rich environment here as compared to where I have come from. Absolutely. It was the same for me. I was giving it quite a bit of thought. Yeah, it was very difficult to come up with the content for this topic. I mean, culture was very prevalent when I was growing up in the refugee camp in Nepal. My family and I had the environment to interact and socialize with people from similar cultures. But I think since we are living in Australia for quite a long time, we have integrated some forms of Australian cultural elements into our lives and are starting to embrace the ideologies. Yeah, definitely. And that I believe is only natural. When you have to live with two cultures that are almost dichotomous to each other, one would struggle with finding a middle ground. You and I have spent half our lives here in Australia. We don't identify with all the values and beliefs of our culture, and neither do we agree with everything of the western culture. But thankfully, at this point in life, I believe we have more self-awareness and have finally managed to find a fine balance between these two cultures. We are learning to see our differences and our uniqueness as strength and you know we're not shying away from embracing our cultural identity. However, for many young people from our cultural backgrounds, this balance looks different as they would have not experienced our culture the way we did. For us it was first hand and for them it was handed over. That's very insightful, Basha. Personally, I hadn't thought a lot about culture uh, related to my life experiences. Although, I think after doing social work and learning about reflective practices, I started developing a sense of self-awareness and realized that my Nepalese culture is kind of an essence to my identity and my being. So, to me now, it symbolizes my native language, which is Nepali, that I most often speak at home with my friends, families and the border community. Also, it symbolizes my values, beliefs, practices and world views. For example, my culture taught me to be respectful towards the elders in the community. I have embraced these values since my childhood and in practice, I demonstrate these values through my language and gestures with the elders at a family or a community gathering. This gives me an incredible sense of connection with my culture and I guess this is how I find that balance between my cultural identity 
and Western living. So, I'm curious, Barsa, what was it that gave Nepal such a rich sense of culture for us? So I lived in a refugee camp with my family for 10 years near Chapa in Nepal. I think to an outsider who has not lived at any camps, their idea of what it is is what is shown on the news. But, you know, for me, with all its adversities, my camp was a culturally rich environment in the sense that I was so connected with my community that I felt a sense of belonging and safety. I clearly remember how every night people from my neighborhood, men, women, elders and children would gather at a school ground and just socialize. Mon, I really miss those loud and warm conversations that I listened to but never quite understood as a child. Elders would tell stories of their life in Bhutan and and watching television was a novelty as the neighbors would gather to watch a movie once a week. I genuinely do miss the simplicity of the camp and how it enriched my cultural identity through those varied interactions. I think one of the reasons that Nepal, well, maybe the refugee camps we both lived in were culturally rich was I think because of our poverty. And this is not to undermine the strength of Nepalese or Bhutanese culture in binding people together. What do you think about this, Mon? Well, let's begin with saying that our culture is very collective at its core. But there is also the shared trauma of fleeing Bhutan, struggling to make the ends meet, struggling to raise children in a way that other non-refugee families bought of their kids and especially the discrimination and injustices faced by our community by the hands of those who are intolerant to our refugee community living in Nepal. Yeah, I think this sort of forced our people to come together, trust and depend on each other. My God, that was scary. In fact, one of my cousins got killed during one of those inter-community conflicts that occurred in my camp by an anonymous person who did not belong to the camp. So the perpetrator was a citizen of Nepal and was intolerant of us living there. In that sense, we did not feel safe from the outsiders and were not ever accepted for our existence. So you're right. I think our refugee status and everything that came along with this identity pushed us to a more collective way of living. I'm really sorry to hear about your cousin, Barsha. That's absolutely not fair. Thanks, Mon. Another thing I remember and that blows my mind is the proximity in which houses were built in my camp and how this contributed to a sense of collectivism. So hundreds of houses were cramped together in a sector. Each family was only allowed to build a bamboo house that was no more than five square meters big. And fun fact, there were no fences. So you can imagine how physically close we all were living with each other. Oh yeah. In fact, I believe I only knew about fences after moving to Australia. I realized that here, every family sort of have their own territory and their space. The sense of individual space was very foreign to me and it took me a while to adjust having my own bedroom. Even after moving to Australia, I slept in my parents' bedroom for a while before getting used to, you know, sleeping on my own. Also, from my experiences here, I think it is quite rare to just go and knock on your neighbor's houses and start a conversation, despite what the media shows us. Whereas in Nepal, our neighbors, relatives, friends always just walked in, and knocking was another concept that was completely new to me. 
I totally understand what you're saying. Every day I had a sense of cultural celebration in little things, like neighbors coming to our house and asking for spices, sugar or clothes, or an elder giving a dry fruit to invite every member of the neighborhood to attend a wedding in their family. Things were spontaneous and they were fun. I remember a wedding. My cousin was getting married and it was kind of an open door for everyone from the sector. There was no such thing as an exclusive invitation or an RSVP system. There was live music by elders and the dancing and singing would go on till the early hours of the morning. People would genuinely join in your celebration and elders would pass on their blessings and poverty never stopped us from giving gifts to the bride and the groom. Weddings were a community effort and everyone contributed and shared with whatever they could to help the family. One thing I really value now is how they collect money and donate it to a family where death has occurred recently. And same goes for hosting big religious events or ceremonies. Another thing is how our community takes care of new mothers. People will come on the naming day with practical gifts for the newborn. To help with postpartum pregnancy, women from the community would feed mothers with these herbal soups that they used to drink in Bhutan to heal after pregnancy. When my sister was born, my mom had to be away from home sometimes. My aunt and her friends used to take care of my sister and oil her and help her do gentle exercises to build muscle strength. Nobody would ask for these things. People just did it out of love and care. So there was a natural sense of safety and love and giving back there. In theory, people could have been fighting over resources and there could have been a lot of cruelty and chaos. But fortunately, my camp was the perfect environment fostering collectivism that made my people thrive in a cultural context. Yes, definitely. I remember the cultural practices were like a massive thing back in the camp. Each year, we used to celebrate the Sera and Tiar, which is also known as Diwali. So these both are the cultural and religious practices of Nepal. I still recall that all of our family members used to gather together to celebrate these festivals, and the preparation would start a month before. The family members who had gone for work used to come back to the camp to celebrate it with their friends and families. My father also used to come back from work after like months and would bring us a lot of food, new clothes, and just spend quality time with us on this occasion. I remember, you know, waking up around 5 in the morning, cleaning the house, and preparing the food. Parents also used to get their children's new clothes to wear for these festivals, and all the kids used to go around the camp to show their new clothes to their friends. My family and I used to go visit grandparents and our extended families to put tikka on our forehead, which basically symbolized blessing from the elders. So yeah, I remember I used to be so happy during these festive seasons. The refugee camp didn't have access to electricity, but on Diwali, the whole camp used to have lights around their houses. It still brings me so much joy when I think about it. But I cannot disregard the cultural shock I felt when we came to Australia. There were so much differences in the way certain concepts were perceived, such as the right to personal space and information. So how do we even begin to navigate our community expectations within the Australian cultural norms? How do we even manage to find a balance between these two cultures that are now equally part of our identity 
and that we evenly fit into. I honestly feel like that it is just too much to ask for and I really don't know how we have managed to do that. Maybe our university education and, you know, being thrown in the deep end with schools has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I mean, in my primary school in Tasmania, I was the only Nepali person there. Initially, I struggled to connect with any of my peers, which made me feel very isolated and alone. I felt like an alien. I hated recess and lunch breaks because I did not have friends like the other kids. I remember crying to my parents when they wanted to send me to a similar high school, but I asked to go to another one where there were people who looked like me and people who understood my culture. Yeah, my experiences was quite similar. I think there wasn't much cultural diversity at that time. Can I just say though, in all these years, our community has begun establishing in Hobart. So we are bringing our culture and our festivals here. For example, I think Dashera or Diwali was the first community festival that I celebrated here after resettlement. And I just felt so happy that day. I dressed up and felt really safe with people from my community. And that familiarity with culture just made my week. I think I was just 10 years old then. It also makes me wonder what our parents had to go through. They had almost no English language skills compared to us. Here, we are constantly talking in English and sometimes with an accent that the listener would understand. This almost needs a superhuman power. So during festivals, just being able to speak in Nepali to another Nepali person felt like a relief. And I think language makes such a difference in relationship building. I was working with the migrant women's group a couple of months ago. One of the participants was a Farsi speaker. I used to talk to her in English. Sometimes I would have to speak slowly. Sometimes I would have to repeat what I said. Sometimes I would have to use my hand gestures a lot. And doing this unfortunately brought about a sense of power hierarchy where the service user was seemingly vulnerable. Once I was singing a Hindi song, I think, and the woman asked if I spoke in Hindi because she did as well. Since then, we only talked in Hindi and the dynamics of the relationship just changed. We felt equal to each other and built a connection. It was just so beautiful. And for me, it was also surprising because that day I truly realized how powerful language is. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Language is indeed powerful and you feel a different level of connection and confidence with people who share similar languages. I used to live in Warren when we resettled in Tasmania, and I think there was only one more Bhutanese family living there during that time. So initially, I realized that I missed my community in a camp a lot and wanted to celebrate my culture the way we did. I used to go to Nepali cultural events that were organized here, but it wasn't the same. It felt like we were celebrating our cultural festivals, but also trying to fit into an Australian way. So yeah, I agree with you, Barsha, that our community growing here, I hope to practice my culture with authenticity and balance it with my Australian ways. I don't just want to acknowledge a festival or a cultural event, but want to celebrate it in its full glory with the whole community. Mon, we can talk about our culture for a long, long time. It is so rich and nourishing and 
makes me very nostalgic about our life in camp. I now understand how important it is for me to stay connected with my roots and find every opportunity to celebrate my culture to the fullest. Thank you for listening to the Citizen Power podcast and for being a part of our stories. This is Bersha and I'm Mon and we hope you enjoyed listening to our journeys of experiencing culture as we loved sharing it with you. We are excited to keep sharing such a personal experiences of our journey with you all and hope that these stories build a connection with our global community. We would like to thank Tascard for allowing us to use their podcast room to make this series possible. Hope you have a great day and you can stay updated about the release of new episodes by liking the podcast on Spotify or following Citizen Tasmania social media channels. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.